It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name's Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the certified financial planners on the show. Josh is out today, but Kevin Corhorn, founder of Corhorn Financial Group, right by my side. Yes, I am. Well, you know, it's soccer time, Mike. <laughs> football time, Kevin. Uh, oh, Come on. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. It is football time as well. And that, that uh, actually, that the, the crispness in the air is, uh, it's time. You can feel it. For those of us who are hunters, ah. uh, you, you, can, you can almost smell it. So, but it is football time, and it also means back to school time. And for those of you with kids in college, did you get your financial checklist done? And did you know that it even existed? We're going to kind of walk through by the numbers what your checklist is and how to prepare those kids to go to college. That's right. So coming up this hour, we're going to talk about everything you and even your college student need to get done to be on top of your finances and to be prepared. College is confu- – I mean, the finances of handling college is confusing. So yeah. we want to hear from you. We want – we would love to answer your question. We've got two college questions we're going to be hitting later in the program. But if you have a question for us, reach out to us. There's a few ways you can do so. Give us a call. Send us a text. 574-222-2000 or go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right. That goes directly to my email box. Thank you very much. You can also catch up on anything you missed, previous episodes right there on that site as well. Lastly, Facebook and Twitter, and I've been teasing it for a while, but soon YouTube at Wise Money Radio. You can connect with us there as well. Send us messages, even watch the show coming up. We're going to be live streaming there very soon. So... All right, as Kevin mentioned, footballs are in the air. Folks, it's just a couple hours away. It's just a couple hours away. College football, one of my favorite times of year. NFL starting soon. Um, It's exciting. It's an exciting time. But that also means kids are back in college. Your high schoolers are back in school. My second grader started second grade. Pretty, Pretty exciting stuff. Did you know there was a financial checklist that you needed to get done? There was a lot of stuff you needed to do for your college student, or if you've got a student in high school, you needed to get done this summer or right now as they're getting back into school. We're going to cover all those things to make sure you get your finances in order. We've got a lot of various tips, as Kevin said, walking through the numbers today, and some of them will surprise you as we talk about college planning. Yeah, so there. when you think about financial planning, there are six areas of financial planning, and I'll run through those real quick. Your present financial position. So when you're thinking about your college student, I'm thinking about my budget. The mm-hmm. next area is protection planning. As I think about my protection planning, what risks do I face? Which ones do I live with? Which ones do I transfer to an insurance company or some other way? So when I think about that, I think about my college student and I'm making sure that if they have an apartment, they've got renter's insurance. If I've got a a car, are they taking the car to college with them? Are they leaving it at home? I'm working very closely with my insurance professional to make sure I have adequate coverage, but I'm not paying for something that I don't need. And there's some, and I'm making sure it's not 
something that I need that I don't have in place right now. So that's important. Um, tax planning, we can skip over that one. We're going to be coming back to it. I mean, goodness, your taxes change when you have a student in college. Yeah, so not only do your taxes change when you have a student in college, so forgive me for saying we're skipping over that one because <laughs> we actually, instead of skipping over it, we're going to camp on that one. When we talk about how I've been saving, saving, saving since the day my child was born for their education, so I've created either a, a mountain or a molehill of financial uh, resources and how which which ones do I tear down first? Which ones do yeah. I do I use? And what tax wise, how does that affect me? And that ties into the investment piece as well. Um, the fifth area usually is retirement planning, but we're going to call it college planning. That's what we're talking about all day today. Yep. And the sixth area, and really where we want to get started. Yep is estate planning. Did you know that as soon as your child goes off to college, but how do you even offer? We've got, we've got a couple amazing private schools around here where high schoolers go away for high school, thinking of Culver and um, some other places. When your child leaves the nest, you've got to get a few legal documents in order to make sure that you can care properly for your kids. Listen, I love my kids. I know you do. You want the best for them and their well-being. However, when they turn 18, technically, folks, they may not act like it, but they're adults. And with all of the laws that we have to deal with today, there are some specific things that you need to get in place to make sure that you can still adequately take care of your child should something happen. Yeah, so let's talk about those. There's three documents that every college student needs. The first document is a durable power of attorney. The second document is a medical power of attorney. And the third document is a HIPAA release. And these things, the the HIPAA privacy authorization form, we're actually going to um, put a link to that. Yeah. So you can go and print one of those off. I've got one of those right here in my hands. And um, this is this is very, very important stuff. I'll just read something here real quick. In May 2011, my daughter was injured in an accident at school five hours away from me. When I called the hospital after being informed from a friend of my daughter, the nurse immediately said, I'm sorry, but due to HIPAA rules, I cannot give you any information. Could you imagine? Pl- place yourself there for just for just a moment. You know, you're you're you've cared for this child for 18 years, 19 years. You've send you've sent them off to hopefully flourish, blossom, all of that. And there's an there's a medical emergency. You have no control over. Crazy things happen, and you go to take care of them, make decisions to help them, and the laws are set up where no, you can't, and I actually can't release any information to you. Folks, that's why you need, because of all the privacy laws, you've got to have this HIPAA release. You've got to have your child who's going back to school, or maybe they're already there. You've got to get them a copy of this form, have them fill it out, and have a copy of it. Yeah, and and as I think through that and I put myself in that situation, I think, oh, my, wouldn't I be upset because I know this? I'm paying the dog on medical bills. <laughs> you know, you they know. can stay on your insurance till 26, but you can't get their uh, their information the about how they're being cared thing for. You ever heard? I know. And and so the tendency, I'm sure, this this person um, was not happy, and so the, the immediate tendency is to be not happy with a nurse who had nothing to do with the HIPAA laws and, and HIPAA rules. So it, these are things where we talk about all the time: fixing the roof while the sun is shining. 
So you say, hey, before I send my child off to school, I want to make sure they've got the HIPAA release signed. So that that releases the, um, the, the actual treatment plan and so on so that you can see what's happening, okay? That's, that, that covers the privacy policy. But the other two, Kevin, we need to dive into and explain what those are. So the healthcare power of attorney is the one that's most closest connected to the HIPAA release. The healthcare power of attorney, believe it or not, if your child was injured in a way that they weren't able to make their own healthcare decisions, as soon as they're 18, you're really not legally authorized to make those decisions. The example I always use is uh, my mom was on her bike when she was 16 and she was crossing an intersection and was was hit by a car and she was in a coma for over two weeks. And now she was 16, so she was a minor, so my grandfather was able to make medical decisions for her. But place yourself at college, the same thing could happen. Mm-hmm. So if your child's in a coma and needs to, and, and there are finan- or medical decisions that need to be made, do you have the authorization to make those? And then the durable or financial power of attorney is the third one Kevin mentioned. And that is, do you have authority to make non-health or even financial decisions for your student continue to pay their rent or utility bills or look up their bank account to make sure everything's in good order um, and manage their affairs when they're not able to. So when you're sending a child off to college, you're not first thinking about estate planning, but folks, you should. Yes. And so make sure you're working with your financial planner. Make sure your financial planner is certified. And some of these documents you can download Mm -hmm. from the web print them off, get them signed, and be legal and legit. Some of these you may want to um, work working with your financial planner, include your attorney who may need to draft some of these documents for you. Yep. And these are good to get drafted at 18. I still think the other thing that we didn't mention is a will, but you want a will. And I'll, I'll share with you why. Coming up, <laughs> we actually, we have a lot more to hit as well. How do you? How's the? What's the best way to pull money out of the account, out of your savings accounts, to pay for college? And it sounds like a little bit more to hit on estate planning. So a lot more to come on this financial checklist for college. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for spending part of your Saturday with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard alongside Kevin Corhorn in the KFG studios. Just two of us. Josh is out on vacation with family. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. If you have a question, like always... Reach out to us, 574-222-2000. Call or text us there or wisemoneyradio.com. We're talking about your to-do list before you send your child off to college. And I know, folks, you'd say, well, wait, you're two weeks late. I already sent them back. Well, some of this is just you can get started on this stuff right now. Um, Also, if you've got a student in high school or elementary school even, don't tune out here. This applies to you. As you know, I'm a parent. Kevin's a parent. Casey, even uh, as the producer, he's got a couple of kids. Time goes by fast. So yep. you're going to want to pay attention to this. We've already talked about some surprising things that need to be on your to-do list when you've got a student in college, and that is getting three estate planning documents in place. Well, 
The first one's just a HIPAA release form. We're actually going to link that on the Facebook page. Second is a durable power of attorney. And third is a healthcare power of attorney. Kevin, before we had to take a quick break, you were talking about one other estate document that's probably appropriate. Yeah, I think you for sure want to have a will in place for your child. And a lot of times people think, well, I really don't need a will in place for my child who's 18 because if you need a will, that that's going to state where do your possessions go when you're gone and my child doesn't possess much, so I don't need that. And the reason why you would put together a will, estate planning, you're planning for the 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 death and so you say that the death of your child is possible it's not probable but here's here's the scenario that says yeah you should have it in place because if there is a wrongful death or some other scenario you want to make sure that those the resources if there's a a lawsuit your your child gets hit by a a drunk driver and is killed and the drunk driver is sued and there's $5 million that comes to your child's estate, you want to determine what's going to happen with that or any other resources. Your child might inherit money. There's all kinds of different possibilities. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that, that you've covered all the bases. And if something unexpected happens and your child ends up with resources, how are those resources going to be handled in the event that your child dies? Oh, my goodness. You're absolutely right. And, and, and if you already, if we made a good case where you need a medical or healthcare power of attorney and a financial durable power of attorney, getting the will, folks, is not much more expensive. In fact, it might not be any added cost as well. But should that unfortunate incident happen, I have shared this on the show before. Literally, folks, senior year at Michigan State, one of my roommates drove the wheels off of another roommate's car. And I am not kidding. Crazy things happen. And having a will set up would help ensure that um, that those <laughs> wheels keep spinning. I, I, I look at Kevin. I, he's thinking of jokes. No, I just literally drove the wheels yes. off the car. So going to McDonald's so, but, and uh, got a flat tire, went to change the tire and put him on wrong and he's driving through the intersection and boom. So, But don't be confused. If you get a will in place for your child, it's still possible that the wheels come off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So hey. that that's not uh, going to necessarily prevent that. But in the event that there's a, uh, a tragedy... The, these documents are, are things that you want to have in place. You want to have your own, if you haven't updated your own estate plan in the last three to five years, work with your financial planner, work with your attorney, get that stuff done. So we're making the list of your checklist, really, for a child going back to, to school. What do you need to make sure you get done in your finances? And the first one we're talking about are estate planning items. I'm assuming what first came to mind was how in the world are we going to pay for this? That's what we need to hit next, folks, on this list. And uh, it, where I first go is, all right, which accounts, which savings accounts do you pull money from and in what order? Right. And so the question, and a lot of times when I'm asked this question, 
people don't like my answer because they say, oh, you sound like a politician. <laughs> but if, if you want financial wisdom, there has to be some sort of context. There has to be some sort of backdrop for the story because it's quite possible that you've got cash set aside. You've got an UTMA account. Mm. which is a uniform transfer to minors account. So that basically is money that your child owns that's invested, but you're um, the, the cust- custodian. custodian. Your name's of- on it too. Yep. You might have a 529 plan. You might have an educational savings account. Uh, people that were, had kids in my generation, that, that the ESA was available before the 529 came Some in. Some other financial radio show personalities really push the ESA. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't no. I wouldn't. It don't make no sense. Yeah. So so what you want to do if if you if you said, "Hey, I've got a generic situation and someone's got money in those four buckets, how would I spend it?" I'll tell you how I would spend it and and how I would make the decision. Hmm. I'd start with quite possibly I'd start with the cash. The reason why I'd start with the cash is when I fill out the FAFSA, they are going to ask me how much cash do I have. Mm-hmm. So that that could or or could not impact what kind of aid I would be eligible to receive. So I might want to skinny up my cash position to put myself in a better position to get aid from my student. Interesting. It may or may not uh, work that way, but this is again why you want to be working, sitting down with your financial professional. Yep. The next thing that I would consider is I would consider burning through the UTMA account. Mm-hmm. So that is money. So you, there's, there's, you really come to a fork in the road. By the time your child is 21, they have complete rights to that account. So they could drop out of college, buy a Volkswagen bus, and follow what's left of the Grateful <laughs> Dead. Um, so you say, well, I don't think that I want them to do that. Now, the, the nice thing about the UTMA account is you do have great flexibility. So you say, hey, I've always wanted to buy my, uh, I have this burning passion to buy my child a vehicle, so I'm going to use their UTMA account to buy him a car or something else. But if you say, I don't want my child to have the freedom to spend this money any way they want by the time they're 21, then mom and dad, you should spend it first. On college. On, on college. On college. Yep. Or if, you're, if your kids are in high school right now, spend it on, send them to space camp or <laughs> uh, whatever uh, type of things you, you might want to do. Okay. The next thing that I would try to make sure that I'm using, and again, this is where I want to have a strategy. What, what kind of cocktail should I mix to, to spend which buckets first? I'd spend the 529 plan money. And the reason why is if you're in the state of Indiana and you put uh, money into the 529 plan, you get a credit on your state tax return. Mm-hmm. So if I put 5000 bucks in, I get a 20% credit up to that $1,000. So I could get up to $1,000. Goes against state tax, your Indiana state tax. Yep. So Not you, local, right? just state. Yep. So that credit... If you had that and you were getting that credit for the last 10 years, if you chose to use the 529 plan money for something other than education, the state wants that credit back. And that's always the question. Hey, I don't know if I want to fund this 529 plan because what if my kids don't go on to college? What if they get a scholarship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? 
The 529 plan isn't a bad deal because that money grows tax-deferred and it comes out completely tax-free if the child goes to school, higher education. They could go to beauty school. There are lots of different types. They could go to technical school. Lots of different ways that uh, a kid could advance their education and use the money tax-free. If they didn't and you said, okay, all the kids are through college, we're not going to have grandkids, we're going to cash this money out and go on the cruise, you're going to have to pay taxes on the growth, a 10% penalty on the growth, and you're going to have to send the credit back to the state of Indiana. Mm-hmm. So that's where I would try to get the the 529 plan money burned off before my last kid is out of college, if I could. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to disagree with you on all of that. <laughs> We've got a whole lot more to hit here as well as uh, just some general advice as you're sending your child back to school. You're sending them to launch into their career and in, into the rest of their life. What about some other tips to help them along that journey? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. I'm so glad that you are with us this morning. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Kevin Corhorn in the KFG studios. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. Speaking of Bethel College, what we're talking about today is what's your financial to-do list as you send your kids back to school? Did you know you had one? Yes, you do. And we're telling you what needs to be on that checklist and encouraging you to get it done and tell you how and why, all that good stuff. Oh, we're right in the middle of it. If you have a question, reach out to us. Call or text 574-222-2000 or visit us, wisemoneyradio.com. You can also check us out, Facebook, Twitter, and soon be YouTube at Wise Money Radio. So we've been talking about the various things that you need to make sure you get done for your late high schooler, your junior, senior, or your student who's gone off to college. We started by talking about estate planning, and now we're in the middle of, well, as you are withdrawing funds to pay for college, in what order should you draw them out? Yep. And so we hit cash. We said take money out of the UPMA account if you don't want to turn that money over to your student, to your child at some point in time. We said hit the the 529 plan money if you're in the state of Indiana and you've received the credit all along. The state's going to want that back if that money doesn't get used for higher education purposes. Remembering that you can change the beneficiary of that account from child to child. You can change it to almost anyone. And you could, if you wanted to, uh, further your own education in... I think about some someday taking classes in Alaska in the summer mm-hmm. or the Caribbean in the winter. Um, who knows what we'll do with that leftover money if uh, there are grandchildren or nieces or nephews or whatever else. There's two more that we that we haven't really addressed. There's the educational savings account. And what happens with these accounts when they start to get complicated, the ESA has an income limit. And I've met with folks that are funding an ESA 
at the advice of someone that they heard on the radio or this or that thing. <laughs> and I say, listen, do you realize that you're north of the income limit and you're thereby prevented from contributing money to an ESA? But the thing is, when you send your check to your ESA, there's no one there saying, wait a minute, is your income going to be above this amount this year? Therefore, we're going to send this check back. They'll take the money all day long. Sure. So it's it's it falls under the it's all legal until you're audited category. So it, it's really on you to make sure that you're doing that right. And the ESA money is money that I would I would burn off as well. Again, this is why I'm sitting down with my certified financial planner to say which ones of these come out first. The other one that I would mention is savings bonds. And a little known fact is if you can hop on one foot, pat your head and rub your belly, you can get money out of savings bonds completely tax-free. And as I've worked with as a financial planner for the last 23 years, Savings bonds are one of the most complicated investments that we handle. Yeah. But if your income is at the right level and the ownership of the savings bonds is done correctly, you can pull money out of your savings bonds. If you bought, say you bought a $1,000 bond, you bought it for 500 and now it's worth 1000 you can pull it out and use it for education and pay no tax on that gain. So I would say... If you've got, if you're saying, oh, that's right, grandpa and grandma bought those savings bonds for Johnny, <laughs> uh, when should we, were we going to give those to Johnny? Were we going to use those? What are we going to do? I say, well, here's the time where you should be tuning in and figuring out, is there a strategy that we can use to get these savings bonds to be completely tax-free for our ch- child's education? Yeah, so here's why here's why I would adjust that order a little bit. If you've got savings bonds, certainly use those things first because they're very complicated and can be nasty from a tax standpoint. I'm just saying most people don't have those anymore. Second, I wouldn't use cash first. A lot of people listening, it's hard to build up cash. And I would want to make sure that you're not tapping into your emergency fund um, to pay for college. Nope. The emergency fund is there for an emergency that comes up, not to make you rich, not to pay for your kid's school. It's to keep you from being poor when something comes up. And then UPMAs, hopefully, um, are a thing of the past. They offer really no tax advantages a- a- at all. And the risk that you mentioned is um, that as soon as your child turns a certain age, they... Um, they have full access to that money. So that so just before you go too far there, yeah. Uh, the this isn't the stump the host. Is this the correct the host sure, moment? Sure. So UPMAs do offer a tax advantage. Okay. In that the kids the 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 earnings on that mm-hmm. are go go to the kids, and there's a certain amount of earnings that they can have that that are. Well, tax. but so where I was going is compare that to the tax benefits of a 529 plan. Oh, yeah. There are great tax benefits for saving into a 529 plan. Again, especially if you live in Indiana, there's still one if you live in Michigan as well. Um, and then it grows tax free and you use that growth for college. However, if there's money still left in that 529 plan, it, it, that could be dangerous. Now, you've got a lot of flexibility. You have complete control over who's the beneficiary, who's the student, so you can change that at any time. My my assessment, though, is 
a lot of folks aren't overfunding college. And I'd want to make sure that you use a 529 um, so that you're not penalized in any way for having leftover funds. Right. So here we go. Grandparent alert. If you're a grandparent, I want you to tune in right now. We met with some grandparents last week and they said, hey, we care about our grandkids and their education. And so what should we do to help fund that? Mm-hmm. The grandparents were already putting, they live in Indiana, they were already putting $5,000 into their own 529 plan. And so we said, well, one of the things that we can do is for your children, we can set up a 529 plan for them. You can gift them $5,000. They can make the contribution and get the tax benefit themselves. That's right. So that is a strategy, I believe, that charity... Uh, starts at home. Um, I hope, Dad, if you're listening, I want you to <laughs> tune in here. But no, it, it really is a strategy for grandparents to, if they if they're already funding, if they live in Indiana, they're already funding a 529 plan. They can uh, have the one set up for their kids, and if their kids can't afford to put five thousand in, they can help the kiddos with that. Yep. Well, all right. So that that's uh, various ways that you would be paying for college. Let's talk about. Just general advice. You've, you're sending your child off to school, launching them from the nest. What's, what are some other things that you need to make sure you're encouraging them to do? What else should be on your checklist? First one I would suggest, folks, is encourage them to get a job. Uh, I know there's a lot, there are a lot of demands on our kids these days, and certainly the importance of having good grades and getting um, the right GPA so they can get the right job and all of that and career after school, that's significantly important. However, I also believe that we're sending our kids off to college to learn about life and learn about balancing um, and having a schedule that they're in complete control over, but balancing the priorities. And I would strongly encourage that you work with them and help them get a part-time job. Absolutely. Encourage them to do so. Absolutely. As an employer, we've hired a number of kids right out of college and there's a huge difference between when we hire them out of college and we are their first job versus kids that work during high school and work during college. And so they have some sense of what it means to go to work, show up on time. Your clothing doesn't look like you just crawled out of a duffel bag. Um, these, these, <laughs> or smell like it. Yeah. So these, these simple life skills are really important and they can gain them. Uh, it, it and I I love the idea of working while you're in high school and while you're in college. Another thing, along with that though, is encourage them, coach them, help them find a way to build a budget. If they've got income coming in from their part-time job, guess what else they're learning in college? How to manage their money. Even if you're helping fund some of their entertainment or lifestyle, still encourage them to build a budget to know how are they going to stretch that $200 or 250 or whatever um, through all the various categories that they want to spend money on. Folks, you're training them to be adults and building a budget and having the habit, the discipline of, of managing the budget is critically important. We've got a lot more here to hit with college yes. and, oh, yeah. and sending the kids off and the things that you need to make sure that you do and they do to be financially successful. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike alongside Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything, check out wisemoneyradio.com. We've got all the previous episodes right there. This one will be up middle of the week or so. Also catch us on the podcast, Google Play, iTunes, Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Search it, subscribe to it. Um, I talked to some folks earlier this week where that's how they listen. And that's how I listen back as well to <laughs> catch all the good stuff that Kevin and Josh have shared. Um, if you have a question, reach out to us, 574-222-2000 or also on the website, wisemoneyradio.com. We're talking about how to get prepared for school, what things you need to do with your student now back in college, what things you need to make sure is on yet that checklist to make sure you're succeeding. We've got a couple college questions from listeners that we need to hit in just a moment, but we're also talking about some general advice here. And I talked about encourage your student to get a job. Second, whether they've got a job or not, have them build a budget. Kevin, what other things would you encourage parents or students to be doing? Well, I would I would tack onto that, that with the budgeting skills. That's a life skill that they want to be developing. Oh, yes. I would also have the discussion about whether or not they should get a credit card in college. When I was in college, one of the ways that we made money for the rugby team was we got $25 for every application for a credit card from the credit card company. So we went around and got everyone signed up for a credit card with a $500 limit. They would just give it to you. And you think, well, is that good or bad? The good thing is there was a lower limit. Another good thing was when we were at the MAC tournament in Bowling Green, uh, Chad Lake was able to get out of jail with his credit card. (laughs) So there are some benefits (laughs) of having access to money at the times when you don't have money. Um, But I I would be very, very, very careful because that is – that's – kind of credit cards are the starter drug and it's a way people get addicted to bad financial habits. Mm -hmm. So I would be very, very careful. And I would just keep talking to your kids about money. Talk about money with them constantly. Most most folks that I talk to, they say, well, we don't really know how to talk to our kids about money because our parents never talk to us. Change that. Break that cycle right now. Yeah. Sit down and talk to the kids. Make a make a small agenda and say, hey, these are the things that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about budgeting. I want to talk about credit card. I want to talk about where does money come from and what your expected contribution to this program is. Mm-hmm. I think if you're hitting, if you're hitting life skills, I'd say I'd, I'd work with them on their life skills. Can they do laundry? Are they going to be walking mm-hmm. around campus with the uh, – their undergarments all pink because they didn't know how to separate the the whites from the the, the colored clothing. Oh, and they're coming home to have you guys do <laughs> their laundry anyway. So don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. I I have encouraged my wife to stop making the kids lunches. I said, look, these they're they're in high school. I said these kids need to make their own lunch. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make me a fan favorite with the kiddos, um, <laughs> but. I think the more things that you can encourage the kids to do to become independent and basic life skills, including food preparation, um, laundry, I I take them out and say, hey, this is how you do public transportation. I take them out and show them how do you ride a lime bike. 
and even you know rescue. How do you put it back? How do you put it back? How do you rescue one from the river? I mean, <laughs> yeah. all these all these life skills are very important. And so I would be I would be working with these. I remember when when the when the boys were little, they were in Cub Scouts, and we were doing all these life skills. And I thought, I wonder if I would ever be teaching the boys this stuff if we if it wasn't part of the curriculum for Cub Scouts. Mm. And I say, well, all right, folks. Create your own little curriculum. Make a list. These are the things I want my kid to be able to do without having to call home and find out how to do it and go do it together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would, I'm would. i going to tack one more in here before we get to Eric's question. I would have your student work on their resume, work on filling out essays for scholarships, and I'd have them working on their networking. All of those will pay dividends in their career as they as they either look for internships, as they um, look to get settled in a career, each of those things. Scholarships to help pay for school, build a resume so that they're prepared, networking, go to all of the career events because you've got to be able to learn to talk to adults and have um, grown-up conversations. Yeah, right? so, so at the risk of piling on, one last thing that I would ask you to do with your student, I'd have them take a typing test and see what their words per minute are. Don't let them leave the house until they're at 60 words per minute mm. on the typing. Go get a Mavis Beacon or some other typing program. But that is a skill most of these kids are going to spend a good chunk of their life using a keyboard. So keyboarding skills are crucial, and they will gain an incredible amount of time. If, they, if the difference between my typing is 40 words per minute versus 60 words a minute, Think how much f- faster I can compose my term paper. Does texting count? No. Okay. Texting so, doesn't count. We've got a couple great questions here from fans of the show, and they pertain to college, so we're hitting them right now. Eric, he's 45. Here's his question. I have a daughter in college, and I'm curious about how she can begin building credit so that she has some when she buys a car after school or someday maybe wants to buy a house. What suggestions do you have, or where can I go for help? Uh, Eric, thanks for the question. It's a great question. I personally would not spend a lot of time worrying about that. If I were going to prioritize the financial things that you need to accomplish with your daughter, I would put building credit towards the bottom of the list. Hmm. So I'm not telling you not to. I'm not not telling you to ignore it. But I'd say there are a number of other more important things that you want to get done first. So assume you got everything else done off the list. Assume that you've taught her the life skill of budgeting. You've talked through how credit cards work. She knows how to write a check. All of these other things. She's got a, her own accounts. She knows how to use an ATM machine. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, that. So, so going to that, that's what I would recommend, Eric. I, I would suggest that you go with your daughter to open up a bank account and if she doesn't have one already, and I'd make sure that you have access to that. Mm-hmm. But and then I would talk to the folks at the bank to set her up on a credit card with a very, very, very low limit, a hundred dollars or something like that, so that as she's walking through campus, she will easily walk right past all the folks who will give a free T-shirt or a free frisbee or whatever the lure or temptation is, where she doesn't need to go and get her own credit card because you've already set her up with the right one working with your local bank or maybe the credit union in town in a a credit builder credit card. 
And I would also instruct her, hey, you don't have to use it. If you use it, you pay off the full balance. You never put something on the credit card that you wouldn't be able to pay off completely in full when that bill comes. That will help her start establishing credit and get her used to the banking and financial system. Um, So I would strongly encourage that, Eric. Next question here is from Jessica. I hear you guys talk about the 529 plan all the time, but I'm a little reluctant to use it to save up for college just in case my son doesn't end up going to college. Is there a better type of account out there that I should be using? Well, we touched on several accounts today, but I, I wouldn't throw out or dismiss the 529 plan right away. Yes. Yes, Jessica. There is a better account. And I'll give you my humble opinion on that. Again, if you live in Indiana, it is hard to overlook the 529 plan because of the benefit that you get. And at the end of the day, if you had to unravel it all, pay the credit back to the state of Indiana, pay taxes on the growth and a 10% penalty, you're still, I could make a case, you're still financially ahead because of the use of that money and the tax deferral of the growth, you're still ahead. If you said, I really don't know, and I suspect my child may not, another financial instrument that you could use is a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. So when you use a Roth IRA, the the basis, the amount of money that you put into it, you can get back at any time. And the government actually, you say, well, how how is that the deal? I thought I'd have to wait till 59 and a half. Nope, not on the money that you put in. And, and people wonder, well, why is that? Because the government wants you to take that money out. The government wants you to have as little money growing completely tax-free <laughs> as possible. So there's there's no um, – most of these retirement-type savings plans are like a lobster trap, easy to get in, hard to get out. The Roth IRA, you put the money in, you can access your basis at any time, and if you think your your child is on the bubble – I'd consider that. Yeah, if they don't go to school, that money's in there for your own retirement. Oh yes, and getting you're you're um, participating in that tax deferred, tax free growth. So, completely agree, Kevin. Five twenty nine, then maybe the Roth IRA. That is all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. Enjoy that football. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated. 